We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Next. Touchdown. How to win an FFPC Rotoviz Triflex League. We're going to talk about that today on this very show as Sean is prepping himself for a startup draft that he's going to do with Bjorn from the Rotoviz writing team i'm looking forward to seeing how this roster turns out but we're going to talk through this kind of the format a little bit but mainly the strategy that sean will look to imply i'm going to guess that we're going to we're going to try and see if we can get some trade backs in that draft i'm just wondering if that superpower will be invoked during it but sean startup drafts always a lot of fun bjorn obviously doing amazing work on the on the website so i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this team turns out it should be uh should be a great one yeah, he's he's written a, a couple of fantastic articles. The most recent one was on late stacking and back stacking in underdog drafts using the advanced rate tool and the stack explore portion of that. But one of the reasons why I want to do this draft with Bjorn, other than him being really bright, is that he wrote a fantastic article on the site about dynasty startups in particular and an evidence-based pro- approach to dynasty startups that will set you up to obviously be successful in year one, certainly if that's what you're going for, but also to be successful for the long term and to build a team that has a great foundation and that is set up to get the most value out of the startup draft and then to position yourself very nicely for future rookie drafts, which is a key element of it. I think he did a great job with. I'm going to enjoy working through this draft with him. Obviously, when you co-manage a dynasty startup there are a lot of conversations because you get a lot of different trade offers i love that in the rv triflex format you have managers who are willing to do a lot of different things and with the money at stake people are both very serious about it and yet they're flexible they're creative most of the people are friendly you know so you have a lot of things that are going for you there the only downside is that when you enter one of these drafts, so the great thing about Superflex is that it lengthens the first round. That is wonderful. The thing I've argued on the site in the Dynasty Workshop pieces is that the worst thing that you can do in one of these startups is to have a bad pick, a bad draft slot, 
and immediately trade a huge chunk of your future future value to move into the 102, the 103. Unfortunately, what I argue for on the site is doesn't have that much of an impact on what people will do in these drafts. So the first thing that happens anytime that you're in one of these is that somebody in the 108, 109, 110 range will give up their first round pick to jump five spots. And so you enter and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're praying, right? You're saying, give me the 101, the 102, the 103. Not because I feel like I have to have that. I feel very comfortable drafting from some other spots. But if other managers are going to give that much away, you want to go ahead and make your pick at the 110 or the 111 after you've picked up all that trade value. Unfortunately, we drew the 111. So we're just going to be sitting there making that pick from that spot. So Colm, as we look through this, we have the tiered dynasty rankings on the site, which give people a sense of how they should approach trades or how they should approach player rankings and player value from a trades perspective. So it sets you up for both rankings and for trades. When we look at this first tier, there is, in my mind, sort of a mini tier of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at the top. Again, that gives you a sense of why people are willing to pay up. We talk about these top tier guys being worth three first round picks. You know, if you want to make a case that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are worth four first round picks and that that's why people are paying that extra first rounder to move up, I think you can make that move or you can make that argument. But the way that we have it represented is more or less a tier that extends through the first seven, eight, nine guys. As I'm looking at my specific rankings, not from the grid view, but from the tiered view, have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow as the QBs in tier one, Bijan Robinson as the running back in tier one, and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase as the receivers in tier one. When we contrast that with the prices and we're looking at current ADP, Bijan goes at the 111. And so one of the notes from Bjorn's research is that you want to start with the QBs and the wide receivers, right? The tricky part then is where do you pivot and where do you say to yourself, okay, the individual player value is so significant that I'm going to go against the research here because this is what the draft is actually willing to give me. The thing that I like, and the thing that I like, Colm, is that the 111 is going to be basically the last pick that is in the top tier. And so even though Bjorn and I got almost the worst pick that you can get, we still are not going to be locked out of that tier. So from that perspective, you just breathe a sigh of relief and you think about then what you might want to do because you can still move back from that even though you're in that top tier. You're going to need to get something meaningful. But now you have the ability to stay put and take your guy. You have the ability to move back. You have the ability to move back again from the 202. So even though you start behind, you have a lot of flexibility here and you just go after it. You take the player profiles that you like. You take the positions that you think are the most valuable and you look to relentlessly move down. So Colm, as you're looking at ADP and as you're looking at my rankings, you're thinking about your own rankings in your head. What are some of your preferences here as you move through the first round, as you're getting these trade offers, and as you get on the clock at the 111? 
Yeah, so from your perspective, like we're obviously looking at the 111. Ideally, you have what Sean mentioned, you get a spot in the top three picks. People want to get up for one of those three quarterbacks and you kind of pick up a haul there, move back, and then you can really start to have your fun from that perspective. But you're at the 111, and as you mentioned, the, that is at the the end of the, the tier one that you would have. What ideally would happen in this draft, Sean, for you guys is that somebody shakes up that ADP a little bit and somebody from tier two for example goes in round one and that that might give you even more of an opportunity to trade back but it might be a case that whoever's available at the 11 somebody really really wants that pick and that will be the ideal option if you can trade back in that scenario so ideally trading back because the you know you're still having your pick at the the 202 which i would imagine when we see this draft there's a chance that they don't pick in that that point i think ideally in this would be seeing what you can pick up at the 111 and the 202 to move into picks from the third round and to try and have as many obviously in round three through seven as you kind of can have for people who may not be aware obviously the ffpc is tight end premium and also in this format with the the road of his triflex it is super flex league so obviously you can start two quarterbacks but you also have to start three wide receivers in this format so by ADP, Sean, you mentioned the quarterbacks going off the board. Round one is usually Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then B. John Robinson mixed in there as well by the ADP. The second round, the third round, the fourth round, we talked through Debo Samuel and potential options to trade for him on last week's, last Friday's road of his overtime. But those kind of players we were talking about in that range, they're going through there. So there's lots of options if you can move back in that. It is a pick that you may not have a trade back partner, Sean. If that was the case, I'd be hoping that, you know, either it's a, a case that you get Justin Fields or Chase. They're the probably two most likely that might get to you if you're looking for a, a non-running back option and be John Robinson at that spot. If it's a case that you can't move back and it goes as ADP goes, which at the moment B. John Robinson would be by ADP the 11th player selected, you, you, I, I'm probably, if you have me here right now and I have to make a pick, it's the cd lamb would be the the selection who goes at the 201 generally in these drafts which obviously means he's not going to get to you at the the 202 unless he falls that little bit then you're into aj brown Garrett wilson i'd be interested in your thoughts though on Garrett wilson or jalen waddle for example versus um cd lamb who all are going to go in that second round range but I, i'm i'm on board with what bjorn has talked about on the website and it, it's really about trying to to load up on the wide receiver positions and I, I in super flex i've become more and more comfortable with moving back from the elite options protect at, at quarterback particularly if you don't get one of those really top four options i would include joe burrow but you're looking at mahomes allen hurts burrow after that i'm kind of comfortable and seeing what we can patch together that little bit later and and you know pivot into the wide receiver position at that point um, and even though this is tight end premium the likes of kyle pitts mark andrews travis kelsey all third round picks going in that order the 301 being kyle pitts mid round then mark andrews late round travis kelsey so that wouldn't be in play for me either so i'm really trying to most likely sean go with wide receiver wide receiver to start from that that 11th spot if, if i can't move if i can move we all know we're we're moving back so you are going to go away from Bijan, which i think is a very viable option one of the things i didn't mention on the previous show when we were talking about aj brown and how you would kind of trade for him or if you wanted to move him was that in talking with 
some other managers. I believe talking with Monty Fawn, who I manage a team with, and Monty is a, a great dynasty mind. I believe he's going to have a, a dynasty article on the site this week for us. But he mentioned that in one of his leagues, there had been an AJ Brown for the 101 trade pre rookie draft. Now it was in a situation where, I mean, obviously you know which guys are going to go there, yeah. but when AJ Brown can get you a Bijan, again, that's a reason not to necessarily give him away. It's a reason to kind of work through and understand that. I mean, those wide receivers have a much easier path to retaining their value. Whereas the running backs have to, you know, be a peak David Johnson, a peak Le'Veon Bell, a Christian McCaffrey peak to maintain that value. But like Bijan Robinson at the minute is going as the eleventh player, but realistically in this format, that is pretty much the the peak of his value. He can maybe increase a little bit where he is in tier one, but anything other than doing what people expect him to do this year, we're, we're going to see that value go down. And in terms of in startups Brees Hall is a mid-second round pick then Jonathan Taylor is the running back three at the second last pick of round two then you're into Christian McCaffrey Jamar Gibbs is a mid-third round pick so there's five running backs going in those opening three rounds so I, I still think even if you pass on those five guys there's obviously all the other running backs are still there but there's a lot of options available later on so I, I would bypass on on Bijan or an alternative running back even at that point just because of the 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 longevity of the wide receivers that we're, we're looking to get here at this range i agree and yet there is a tantalizing option especially if you've moved down and created a little bit more value for yourself with the move downs i currently so have are you telling me that if you move from the 111 that at the 202 is that where you're questioning me taking be I, i'm talking about the 111 though right it would become a conversation have... and i still think at the 202 i would still pass on the running back and and this specific case Bijan. but let's say Brees hall was um going at the the 202 far like i would be trying to pick up garrett wilson there or a jill and waddle or an amon ross and brown so what just, i'm saying is just... sean it's all the wide receivers if i'm not getting one all of the, the wide receivers yeah, I, one of the things that I like to make sure that I'm doing is maintaining mental flexibility and thinking through some alternate paths where you could pick up a lot of trade value and set yourself up nicely for the future, but also have a little bit of a contrarian, unique team that could compete right away if things fall into place. So there are two separate things that are kind of going on here. And I really like the RV Triflex format for this i love what the ffpc has done which they've put a limit on the number of quarterbacks who can be selected by any individual team in the startup and that limit is three and i'm and that's that, not that a lot give, that does give it an advantage though if you are passing in those opening rounds because there's still going to be those options available as you move through the draft for example you know we talk a lot about sam howell but he's a 10th round quarterback in this format stafford's 10th round jimmy garoppolo is the 12th round there's there's lots of options later on now they, they do tend to dry up once you get past round 12 but the acquisition cost versus for example deshaun watson as the 12th pick or kyler murray as you know qb12 or dak prescott as qb11 is, is obviously much less 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so you're not going to get locked out at QB, which is the main concern. It's not the main concern. It's one of the concerns you're dealing with in any super flex startup. The other concern is just that if you do position yourself with two anchor QBs and those guys don't suffer career ending injuries, then you can say, well, now I can just do whatever I want for a long period of time. I can be patient as I build. And that's been one of the narratives that people are spinning and one of the strategies people are arguing for. I wouldn't say that that's wrong because you can do it. I do think that it puts a little bit of a ceiling on how the rest of your roster can work because you have to give up so much. And then, especially if you're in a rebuilding scenario, I see managers take over orphans. And the first thing that they do is strip their team down to basically just two players in order to get two like vaguely anchor QBs. Maybe you're betting on a little bit of a bounce back and some extended health for Lamar Jackson. Maybe you're about betting on a bounce back and some extended health for Kyler Murray. And now you've got Lamar and Kyler and nothing else. I mean, that's going to be a, a long rebuild to where you have those guys set with a team that can do damage. You think about it from a startup perspective. In the Triflex, you have... Number one, you're not going to get wiped out like you can in other drafts where my experience in super flex startups is that there are always one or two people that want to get four or five QBs relatively early. And that will create some real scarcity problems for you. We don't have to deal with this here in quite the same way. And that means that the kind of second tier guys are a little bit cheaper. So we're seeing names like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, Geno Smith kind of in five or at the five, six turn. But also then there's that secondary drop off that you mentioned where the tier of Mac Jones, Brock Purdy, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell is another three to four rounds cheaper where you're looking at those guys in rounds eight to 10. Now you may get a little bit movement here late where Purdy looks a little bit better, where maybe Will Levis drops and pushes some people up. So I mean, these prices are going to be in flux. But that dynamic gives you multiple different tiers at which you can target QBs at nice prices. When we work it back around to what that means for us now at the beginning is that we do have some flexibility. I love building the teams that are very heavy at wide receiver. And yet I also feel pretty confident in my ability to target the right profiles and to load up on guys who 
haven't quite hit yet. And one of the things that we talked about last year in the dynasty workshop, anybody who is kind of set in this position here where I had the 110 in that particular draft and also people wouldn't trade. And so you're like, well, that's the worst of both worlds. You can't even like move back and, and do anything. But in that draft, I continually targeted rookie wide receivers who were one below ADP just in that draft. That particular draft ended up being one where people wanted a little bit more experience in their receivers. So you're getting the guys below ADP. But my rankings had those guys as values like two rounds before ADP. So you're getting a double value. Doesn't mean you're going to always get that, but you're trying to read the room as the early part of the draft evolves and see where the opportunities are going to be in that particular draft. If you feel like you're going to be able to outdraft the room at wide receiver, and again, from an evidence-based perspective, not because you have some kind of mystical ability to see the future. If you think that you're going to be able to outdraft the room from round three to round nine, maybe you put a QB in there in round 10, I mean, round five, maybe you put a QB or two in there in rounds nine and 10 because you have multiple picks in that range through moving back. You you get out of these really high leverage rounds and you can make some trades where you get multiple picks in that you know, 9, 10, 11 range where people are like, yeah, probably no longer moves the needle. But if you're targeting the right profiles, those are still valuable picks. So you're set up to be able to address QB and you can hit your guys three four five six seven eight you lose one of those to a qb but most of those picks you outdraft them then you're kind of thinking to yourself well if i'm going to maximize my starting lineup in a format that is short benches but deep starting lineups. so you mentioned the triflex you've got to start three wide receivers but also two flexes that are non super flex that's where the triflex so one of the triflexes is a super flex the other two are regular flexes you can get to the five wide receiver, which is one reason why you would start wide receiver, wide receiver, as you mentioned. That's a very strong strategy. It fits Bjorn's research. Not trying to push people off of that. But if you move back here to where Brees Hall is a mid-round two, Jonathan Taylor, end of round two, Christian McCaffrey, and Jameer Gibbs, an early three. I have all four of those guys. And again, this is coming from a zero RB. This is coming from somebody who will tell you you can get compelling running back profiles late. I have those guys at 202, 204, 205, and 207. You move back and you get two of those players at the 2-3 turn. And you're starting two elite running backs with then the depth that you play out through the draft at receiver. You're starting to look at a lineup where your starting lineup is just simply better than everybody else's starting lineup which again, that doesn't mean it will work if you don't execute after that. But if you start with that starting lineup, that is not only is it good, but it's really fun, right? And one of the reasons that I would always play zero RB is that it was the fun way to play. Because if you get to the back half of round one and you're looking at the fifth or sixth best running back, again, we're talking about decades where that was the case, or you're talking about superstar wide receivers, you take some receivers. If we're talking about a situation where you can start Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall or Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor and Jameer Gibbs. And again, I mean, we're just super high on Gibbs. That may turn out to be incorrect. But if Gibbs is the next Christian McCaffrey, he's the next Austin Eckler and you have him in that lineup. It's fun. 
right? It's a fun way to play. You set that lineup Sunday morning and you sit down to watch six hours of football and you're ecstatic the whole time. You've got a cool team. So I would at least consider that as a possibility. Now, you're going to be weaker at QB. Maybe the team is actually a, a building team. And you can say to yourself, well, if this is a team that's targeting year two, then especially why do I have these running backs who lose value so easily? So keep those considerations in mind. But a Brees Hall, a Jameer Gibbs, I don't know. I mean, you could be talking about Sean's next getting season. excited here. I am getting excited. I feel the voice it's getting change hot under getting... the collar. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a situation where those guys are being drafted where Bijan is now, right? You get a couple of those guys. You can make some moves to shore up some other positions. You can target Caleb Williams next year. Again, we mention it all the time, but you want to put yourself in a position where if you don't advance to the playoffs, you're going to win the back draw and you're going to take that superstar quarterback at the 101 the next year. All of those things together, I don't know. I'm just saying consider it. Don't don't lock yourself into this mindset where you have to take the receivers. I love Wilson. I love Lamb. I do think that when we get to this time next year, there are going to be guys who are drafted in rounds three through seven where you feel the same way about them that you feel about Garrett Wilson and CeeDee Lamb today. One of them, for example, is Jackson Smith and Jigba who is going at the 402. That, to me, is kind of insane. I have him ranked in the middle of the second round. Again, keep moving down. Try and target him. There's risk in any individual draft. Sometimes, you know, maybe through conversations or maybe, like us, you have your rankings posted and people actually know your targets. They can jump in front of you. But, but I love that element of continuing to move down and exploiting the gap between your rankings and ADP. You, there's a couple of things there to address one of them is you know as we're doing this show i've sean's rankings pulled up a, for a comparison with the adp to see where the changes and the differences are and you know you mentioned people can obviously do that when they're drafting against you which is a challenge but i would highly recommend when people are drafting to be able to see it to where the potential round values are and where maybe you can move back and potentially based on adp still get that person or that player but sean the ideal situation here to think tie it all together is when you're at the 111 if you can trade back i think that's what you still would do even if Bijan's there and the obviously if the offer is so good that you can't turn it down you're going to do that but if the offer is reasonable um you're probably still going to move back you've written in the past about it being a superpower i think it is both a superpower and another word for it will be a cheat code if you can move back because you talked about the team you could build as you move back in terms of round by round by round of what you could do but if you move back from the 111 or the 202 but you're picking up you know an additional third or an additional fourth round pick as well maybe in this draft if you can end up getting you know rather than just seven players through those opening seven rounds if you have nine or ten or eleven guys in that range you know that also is just going to absolutely front load the roster and that's going to give you an opportunity to potentially get numerous of those running backs like you mentioned even with trading back so you might get the Brees hall get the jamar gibbs and still be able to add in additional pieces then you know kenneth walker going in the fourth round there's a lot of ways you can do it but my my one piece of advice in all startups you mentioned that you can run into situations where people just don't want to trade trade up that's obviously going to stop you from trading back so have a plan for that but if you can trade back i think the best thing you can do in any of these startups is is move back and acquire more because that's really what will kickstart your perpetual reload because you'll have some 
extra stock on this draft, but you'll also likely pick up future picks as well um, as you move through. And Colin, I can also feel that your other piece of advice was to ignore my suggestion to take injured running backs like Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor. Well, just draft the wide receivers. That was what my entire thesis was. But I, I absolutely agree with what Sean's saying in terms of the the, wide, the running backs that you're trying to target. If you are drafting a running back in Dynasty, it needs to be somebody who fits the profile, basically, of what we're trying to do. with. Basically, if you're listening to this draft, our season-long, our best ball teams, and there's certain running backs that were willing to, to pick up sean a big topic on twitter this week uh, that you may not have seen was people overusing the word detour during zero rb drafts has seemingly become a thing i i wasn't aware of it but so any any running back you would take a detour for in a zero rb draft you can draft them in, in dynasty startups as well they're off the sufficient profile but any final thoughts pre-draft advice for people and i i think a lot of this can be you know we, we talk about playing across different formats and being able to I think you used the term mental flexibility, I think you used at the start of the show, which I, I enjoyed. But you want to have that across all formats. But any dynasty final thoughts for people who may be in a startup or maybe even looking to do some trade action this this, this week? Yeah, get as many picks as you can in really at, at any level. The volume of picks allows you to make mistakes. The volume of picks allows you to take advantage of big ADP fallers, you'll see dynasty startup draft situations where you actually get some pretty big fallers because no one in there wants to break their plan. And so if there is a person, if there is a player in your draft who multiple people are lower on than ADP and some of the people who might be, you know, even on that guy, he doesn't fit their build then the player can fall, the player can fall. If you don't have picks, there's not that much you can do to take advantage of it. If you do have picks, you can grab that player. Now, if a player falls, one of the things that you and I talked about before is that he is a little bit harder to retrade at that point because the managers in that league have established that that's not someone they're going to pay for. And yet that player can be a value for you. Anybody who is a solid NFL player can have a spike week that captivates the imagination, even if everybody kind of knows it's just sort of a fluky one-off week there are going to be some chances to move them there'll be situations where just having all of that extra value really helps you and especially helps you early on right we're trying to set these rosters up to perpetually reload which means the more embedded value you get from the start the more you can do with it the more different guys you have to flip the more flexibility you have to flip them all of those things are very very helpful and it's I mean, we all have tiers and we all have guys that we really want, but you don't want to lock yourself into thinking, this is the last guy, this is the last spot that could have value. And I'm going to move all of my picks after that to get into the range that I think is valuable, but I'm going to give up a lot of value to do that. I'm going to give up volume to do it. And then you end up sitting on the, well, not on the clock. You're going to sit there looking at the people drafting and you look at the picks and you're like, well, that guy who was in this tier that I liked fell. This guy who was in a tier I liked fell, but, but I traded out of those picks and vice versa. If you traded into them, you're in good shape. You want to, and Dynasty is this, this weird kind of paradox where you simultaneously want to have very strong opinions on the types of players who will work for you and who will win for you. And also a lot of humility about your player evaluations 
and actually what scenarios are going to exist in the future. One of the things about building through Dynasty is sort of a, a version of what we do in redraft and best ball you know, on rocket fuel where you're targeting uncertainty. And if you're targeting uncertainty, you have to bring humility with it. The more picks that you have, the better off you are. Yeah, all very good advice. And the other thing I'll mention is if you are planning to play in one of the TriFlex leagues over the FFPC, they do start from $100 for those dynasty leagues. They run, Sean, all the way up to $5,000. So if you're looking to get in there as well, that's a, another option. But myffpc.com for more information on those. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And until we are back on Wednesday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.